0: I am going to relentlessly chase perfection, knowing full well I will not catch it, because nothing is perfect, but I am going to relentlessly chase it, because in the process I will catch excellence. I'm not remotely interested in just being good. Vince Lombardi. Bonjour, salut, ça va Welcome, my friends, to the show called The Deep Gripping Reality where I dig deep into different subjects for your amusement and for your edutainment that's a mix between education and entertainment and I just realized how incredibly stereotypical this French accent sounds so today we will be talking about uh, the culture oh, the culture Of various social media platforms? Yeah, that's right. Social media platforms have their own culture. And if you are tone deaf to what that is, there's a very real chance you're going to post stuff that you really shouldn't. And instead of helping your uh, social media and your digital marketing strategy, you could be really hurting. Stay tuned. We all know culture is important in interacting with people um, and interacting within business especially you have to understand that other people's culture may be very different than yours and things that are normal in yours may be very um, outrageous in theirs and vice versa and you have to respect that because that's the world we live in and that's totally good that's totally cool I think respecting people's culture is awesome but here's the thing various social media have their own types of culture so for example People see and use social media in different ways. So let's take Facebook for example. Facebook is by far the king of social media. It's the, the largest. And I'll be honest with you, I actually bet on um, on uh, MySpace back when Facebook was out. I was a MySpace guy. This is before it went all music. And I realized that you could put in your your own HTML coding and really customize the page. And I love that. So I like had a cool background and I had cool music and I had a weird, you know, screen name. And MySpace was, was it was the shit, man. It was awesome. And you could, you could essentially make it your own culture. You could put whatever you want on there. I had mine set up so that intro music played when you came on, whether you wanted it to or not. And that was annoying as hell to a lot of people. But yeah, it's true. And you could set your top 10, and it was so cool. And then Facebook came along, and to me, it was bland. It was plain. It was never going to go anywhere. And man, I'm glad that I did not invest money in MySpace over Facebook. Uh, let me just put it that way. So Facebook, which we all know, started as something from Harvard. And if you didn't know that, it, it did. It started because Zuck decided Mark Zuckerberg um, was trying to decide whether or not he liked, you know, what girls were cute and what ones weren't, essentially. And so he created this thing called the Facebook. And then it, it, it was um, there were these two twins who paid him to kind of develop it. These two guys that paid him to develop it, and then he essentially stole the idea, and he changed it just enough that it was gonna be bigger than that, and it was meant to be pretty exclusive. It was just for Harvard people, but then uh, it expanded, and now it's there's like a three or four or six, I don't know, there's, a, there's billions of people that are on this thing, and everybody's on Facebook. And that's what makes it such a great marketing tool is because even if you target the most professional individuals on the planet, you might think that running an ad on LinkedIn would be the best way to go, and we'll talk about LinkedIn in a second. The reality of the situation is that even if they have a LinkedIn profile, which most professionals do, they probably also have a Facebook profile, which is reserved for their family life, for the other side of their coin. Um, or if they don't, their spouses have one: their husband, their wife, their kids, their 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 whole family is on Facebook because that's what Facebook is. Facebook's culture is one of memes and of fun and of enjoyment and of sharing pictures and of. Connecting that's their whole theme is we want to connect the world and sometimes it's pretty divisive, but they've been cracking down on that I don't know if you've noticed, but I sure have there's been a lot less toxicity on my Facebook feed than there used to be And I think it's because Facebook's algorithm is naturally boosting things that have a positive message Because they want it to be about connecting they do want you to have freedom of speech and want you to be able to post essentially whatever you want but they really, really want to be about connecting people and people enjoying stuff. So Facebook specifically is a place where you would go to post things to your friends or to your, um, to your, uh, uh, you know, really close colleagues, not like your boss. So let me be. Let me tell you how I use my social media. I use Facebook specifically for very, very close friends and family. Um, and when I say very close friends, I mean friends that are essentially family to me that I would feel like, that I feel like are my brothers and sisters and, and like are really super close to me. That's my Facebook. Now my Facebook, personally, you can go into the settings, it's on lock. It's locked down. Like I share some things publicly. Like for example, when I go to promote this podcast, I share that publicly and I have different uh, different pages that I've created. Um, I talked about that in one earlier episode. Check it out. I think it was either the first or second episode of this of this podcast, but for the most part, it's about pictures of my kids, and I don't really necessarily want the whole world seeing those. I, I want family and friends to see them, you know. Or it's about, uh, you know, encouraging my nephews or my nieces or, you know, my my family. It's it's about family. That's what Facebook is for me. So, you know, if I'm if you and I work together, and you send me a Facebook request, there's a good chance I'm going to ignore it. And it's nothing personal. It's just that I don't feel like we're close enough that you need to be into my personal life. And that's what Facebook is, for me. Now, I'm going to come back to Facebook because I think there's something really, really scary that you need to know about Facebook, so stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. When it comes to marketing on Facebook, your ads can be a little bit more whimsical. They can be a little bit more fun. They can be a little bit more lighthearted. They can be a little bit more … You can know your audience. and That's the thing is Facebook allows for sniper-accurate targeting when it comes to ads. And that's the mistake that a lot of smaller businesses, and sometimes larger businesses too, make, is that they'll assume that just because I run my ad in a 50 mile radius of my hometown, that it's gonna do really well. And then when I throw 200 bucks at it and it flops, I say, ah, Facebook ads don't work. Well, a shovel doesn't work if you're not using it right. It has a purpose, right? So you need to really, if you're gonna pay money on a Facebook ad, take the time to really seriously target Know your audience, right? Take the time to actually go through and pick what are their interests, what uh, is their age demographic, what is their um, income demographic. You know, um, really get get into the psychographics of who your target audience is, and then tighten it up a bit. You can pick either. So, say I'm having an event in Des Moines, Iowa, right? I could post a, a Facebook ad, and there's, by the way, two or three different kinds of Facebook ads you need to be aware of, but. You, and, and, and I'll get to that in just a second. So you wanna target and make sure that you're picking the target right. So I don't just want people who are driving through Des Moines because it's a very busy city and people drive through the outside of it all the time. If I'm looking for people in the Des Moines area, I want it to be in the Des Moines area. So I might tighten that up a bit. I might make that within a 10-mile radius of Des Moines or a 5-mile radius of Des Moines. Um, but if I want to go larger and say I want to include towns like Altoona and Bondurant and, you know, uh, West Des Moines and things like that in um, the East Village, then I might go 50-mile radius or, or, you know, even 75-mile radius because then I'm getting towns like Marshalltown and, and um, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it be very specific in your targeting. Know what you're doing. It's an investment of your time, but it also turns into an investment of your money. Now, note that Facebook is a pay-to-play game. If you really want the most exposure using Facebook, and I'm talking about more than just impressions, I'm talking about clicks, I'm talking about action items, actual KPIs, key performance indicators. What you want to do is you want to make sure that you spend the time to really target and and spend. A lot of money frankly the more money you spend the more impact you're gonna make because it is a pay-to-play game but I'm here to tell you a really really cool hack to Facebook if you want to grow organically. So for those of you who don't know, there's two different types of audiences. There's an organic audience and a paid audience. The organic audience is what, like when something goes viral naturally, that's organic. When uh, your impressions are seen by a ton of people, that's organic. So on Facebook, the secret to huge organic growth is really kind of simple. First and foremost, i read a Harvard Business Review uh, last year that was saying that and this is really, really cool. So get out your notebooks if you give a shh if you care about this. Um, if you uh, if you think about uh, the psychology of people, okay, what do we react to and repost in the mornings? The answer is things that pull at our heartstrings. We react more um, instantly and and more um, reliably to things in the morning that play at our emotions, whether it's anger or it is. Um, um, I think it's called pathos, but if it's anger or it's your uh, emotional state, like it's something funny, if it's something that moves you emotionally, um, puppies and kittens, that, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and by the way, in marketing, there's a rule. And, and there's only three things guaranteed to sell, and that is, and it's becoming less the third thing, but it's um, puppies, children, and sex. If you include puppies or children in your and puppies and children in your ad, you're going to do great. Or you can include sex in your ad, and that's going to do pretty well too. But you know, we're coming to a, a time, in socially speaking, in America anyway, where you know, sex isn't selling like it used to. So you got to get off of that. Plus, you know, if you want things to spread organically, stick to puppies and and uh, and children where appropriate uh, in your ads. So that's that's the secret to posting in the morning. To post in the evening, when you post in the evening, and when I say evening, I mean eh, 3.30 onward, uh, so early after, or mid-afternoon, late evening. When you post in the evening, post logos, post things that are logical. And the reason for that, if you think about it, it's a very primal thing. In the morning, you wake up, you haven't had your coffee or whatever, and you, you, you're reacting to um, the world around you and things that play at your emotions. When you've had, your brain hasn't really kicked into high gear yet in the evening, um, you have had the whole day to process information, be a critical thinker, um, and really kick into high gear with with the logical. So if you post something that is very thought-provoking, very logical, very smart in the afternoon, historically, it'll do better. Now, none of this, here's the godfather of secrets for for marketing on Facebook, um, whether you're posting it um, organically or paid, Uh, Know your demographics through the times that they're available. Facebook has a really, really great um, set of data analysis that lets you look at your audience. Um, So check out the analytics. See what time your audience is online. You can go into People. Spend some time and explore that area. If you have a page, you can go into People and you can see exactly what your audience looks like. You can see if it's men, if it's women, what the age group is, and you might be surprised what your demographics are. There's only one tool out there that I've seen that has it naturally built in that goes even deeper um, as far as what your target audience looks like, and that's Twitter, and I'll come to that in a minute too. So Facebook has some really great tools, um, and again, the the cool thing about Facebook uh, and paid ads is that it's never a waste of money. And what I mean by that is that Facebook's algorithm, Facebook knows you, if you have, within 10 clicks, Facebook knows you better than your spouse. It knows you better than you, it knows you better than anybody on the planet. Why, because it knows, your hobbies. It knows your interests. It knows who your friends are. It knows where you went to school. So Facebook knows you pretty well, but it's not just you they know. They know everybody. So when you tell Facebook who your target audience is, you can choose, okay, do I want the most clicks? Do I want to choose people who have historically clicked on ads? Do I want people who most closely match the demographics that I've selected? And what Facebook's going to do, and then you can say, okay, I want to run this ad from January 1st, through um, February first, a full month, right? And you can tell it, spend all my money in that time. Or you can set it up so that it only spends money when it it uses it. So what that means is that if you give it $200, if you give the Facebook ad $200, and you say, uh, I want you to specifically target my demographics, my audience, know my audience, this is who I want you to target. Facebook will wait and it'll post that ad on their newsfeed when they are most likely to be on. It watches for that, right? So then it's putting it on their newsfeed organically to them, but it's paid to you. So it just shows up in the feed at the perfect time for them to see it and the highest point of, of logical impact. These algorithms are wicked smart. And the cool thing about it is, when it does that, it charges you a certain number of impressions or clicks or however it's set up, but if it doesn't go through that full $200 in the time frame then if and, and you didn't say spend all my money you said you know I'm, I'm paying for impressions I'm paying for clicks it'll go until it spends your money or until you tell it to stop so if you run an ad from January 1st through February 1st and it doesn't spend all your money then that money rolls over you can actually use that on your next ad campaign and that's why it's so important to do A versus B campaign testing to see what's most effective but so, this is, this has been a really, really deep dive. You know, deep gripping reality is all about deep dives. Deep dive into Facebook ads. And as promised, a little bit later, this is going to be a long one, guys, because I'm going to go into each social media so you understand how to use them. A little bit later, I'm going to get into the creepy stuff about Facebook that you need to know for your own personal security and sanity. Okay, so one last thing on, on all social media hashtags. So, hashtags are, the, for those of you who are older and may still not know, the hashtag is the pound sign. Um, And for those of you who are younger and may not know, the pound sign was the thing on the keypad that uh, you would push um, that looks like a hashtag. Anyway, it's a number sign. Anyway, so hashtags are were created by Twitter um, and basically it's so that people can find things of interest to them. So for example, if I'm an artist and I post on Instagram, um, I can use different hashtags. Um, oil color, hashtag oil color, hashtag acrylic, hashtag watercolor, hashtag painting, hashtag black and white photography, hashtag photography, hashtag photos. There's so many different ways you can do it. Now, on Instagram, which even though it's owned by Facebook, runs very differently than Facebook, okay? And and by the way, for ad spend, your money is best spent on Instagram. But hashtags are awesome. For Facebook, more than a couple are annoying. People don't necessarily search for for hashtags very often on Facebook. But my golden rule of posting on social media is that you should at least have one hashtag, no matter what you're posting on, you should at least have one hashtag because then if somebody's interested in that, you show up on other feeds organically really easily. You should always have something of value. Um, So it can't all be me, 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 unless you're running a promotion, in which case you're still offering something of value. Um, rule number three is that it needs to have either a photo, a, a video, or a link at the very least, something interactive. That's kind of a call to action, and it engages them. It stops them. Now, a secret about Facebook is that the wider the space, the more real estate you have, the more likely you are to catch the attention. So, if you do a face, a photo, or a video, or make sure that there's a great photo with the link that you share, it's going to grab more. Of, there's more of a chance it's going to grab somebody's attention because it physically takes up more space on their Facebook feed as they're scrolling through. So there's more of a chance that something is gonna grab their eye. So this has been a deep dive into Facebook. Next, we'll move on to LinkedIn, right after this nice little interlude. So I'm realizing as I record this that this is a long one, so I'm going to break it into two parts. The first part, I'll deal with Facebook and LinkedIn. The second part, we'll talk about Twitter and Instagram. Now, don't worry. At the end of this session, at the end of this part, I will definitely give you that super crazy thing you need to know about Facebook. But stay tuned. Uh, This episode is going to run I'm guessing about 30 minutes, Uh, the next episode will probably be quite a bit shorter, and I will, for your convenience, usually I post one uh, podcast a day, I'm not going to make you wait 24 hours for the second half, I'll actually um, schedule them to post one right after the other, so when you're done with this episode, you can jump right into part two. So thank you for joining me, Um, we're going to go ahead and dive now into the power that is LinkedIn. 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 I've heard it before. I'm not on LinkedIn. I don't understand the point of it. Isn't it just Facebook for professionals? Well, kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's not a horrible description. Um, so Facebook is your professional face. It's your resume online. Here's an interesting fact. It used to be and probably still is true that if you Google yourself, ugh, if you Google yourself, ugh, I can't say it without shivering. If you do that, You'll find that one of the very first things that usually comes up is your LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn has worked very hard and watches the Google algorithm very closely so that that happens. They want you to put your best professional face forward and LinkedIn is where you do that. So LinkedIn is uh, where I connect with professionals. Now, it used to be that LinkedIn would only let you connect with people that you actually physically knew worked with, um, who were aware of you, now you can connect with just about anybody. Um, I've had a LinkedIn profile twice, and here's a mistake that I made. My first profile, I had about 2,000 connections, and they were all professional connections. None, Not all of them did I know. In fact, Jeff Bezos was connected to me on LinkedIn, who, if you don't know, is literally one of the wealthiest men in the world. He created um, Amazon. And he actually sent a message to me. I sent him a prospecting uh, message on LinkedIn. This was probably six years ago. And he responded to it, which was fantastic. Well, when I left that job and I went back to school, I thought, I really don't wanna get a bunch of contacts and distractions while I'm in school. So I'm gonna um, turn off my LinkedIn. Well, on Facebook, you can turn off your Facebook. And as long as you reactivate it by just logging back in, you're good. What I didn't realize is that when you do that with LinkedIn, You have 30 days. It might be 60, but you have a very limited amount of time to reactivate. And If you don't, you lose all of your connections. You lose any posts that you've created. Essentially, you lose it all, and you got to start from scratch. So now I've had to start from scratch, um, and and it's a very valuable lesson to know, and I'm telling you that because uh, I had to learn it the hard way. So LinkedIn is a great networking site professionally. Um, If you send a message to somebody on LinkedIn – that you really want to work with, and it's a personalized message, and it's not all me, 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 hey, 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 I want you to do this for me. And it adds some kind of value, thanking them for their connection, um, you know, complimenting them on something that you you saw that they did or that they've posted. you can build some real genuine connections that way people are more likely to respond to a linkedin message than they are a phone call um an email uh, or anything else really other than seeing them in public so it's it's linkedin is a great way to connect to people professionally that you'd like to work with so linkedin is not necessarily a place for memes it's occasionally ty- it's a place for a delbert car- cartoon or something that's professionally relevant but it's not the place for babies kitties or sex um or puppies uh, or sex you know the three things that always sell in marketing, they don't fly in LinkedIn, and it's because it's a much more um, upstanding and professional place. Those who don't have a LinkedIn page don't have it for a reason. They don't have it usually because in their profession, it's not necessarily something they find a lot of value in, and and you want to, like, it's good for B2B stuff, business to business stuff, Um, and that's that's what LinkedIn is all about, is establishing your your professional brand of who you are, um, who you represent. Um, and establishing your expertise. So uh, LinkedIn marketing is a little bit different. Yes, they have paid ads, and I've had some success with that. I ran a paid ad campaign for about 250 bucks um, over the course of a month. So you know, ideally it probably should have been quite a bit higher, but I was targeting law firms um, in Iowa and there are some pretty good targeting you can do with that. You can even upload your own lead list if you want to. So it'll try and find specific people to put your ad in front of. That's a little creepy, but it works and it's true. Um, and, and you can actually put a little widget on your uh, website so you can see when traffic gets sent from LinkedIn to your website. You can see on LinkedIn that that's where it came from. Now, of course, Google Analytics lets you do that anyway. But it's, it's kind of nice because you can see how your ad conversion is doing. But the best way to market on LinkedIn is to do it organically. So what you do is on your LinkedIn business page, um, you can post stuff pretty regularly that will allow you to... um, that will allow you to establish your uh, industry expertise or weigh in on things, and and I've said this, I'll say this a billion times because to me it's a cornerstone of the future of digital marketing. But it has to be uh, content heavy and it has to be value adding. You know, you have to know your audience, know the kind of things that they will find value in, and not just hey, these are all the services that we provide. Well, yeah, that's good, but you got to show show the solutions. People don't buy. Uh, products. They don't buy services. Heck, they don't. I used to think people buy people because if they like you, they'll like what you're selling and they'll buy what you're selling. But what I've come to realize is they they only like you as useful as you are. If you can provide a solution to their problem, that's how you get the sale. And so you really want to uh, add value, solve problems for free, give out more than you get. Um, especially on LinkedIn. So whether that's um, a really good strategy is to comment on a lot of people's other stuff with thoughtful things. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk has this thing where he, he calls it the, uh, um, oh God, I think it's like a dollar dollar 40 rule or something like that. I don't know. But the idea is that you go through and you find 90 posts per day and you leave your two cents. You leave some kind of positive Um, thoughtful response not just a like but an actual comment and that's how you can spread organically really fast on all social media but especially on LinkedIn and the growth rate in LinkedIn right now is off the charts it's organic I mean the organic growth rate is just freaking phenomenal and when they tighten up that algorithm it's going to suck and it will happen but right now Posting good content on LinkedIn is a brilliant way to really, really spread your influence, uh, whether it's personally for your personal brand or if it's for your company. So that's what LinkedIn's all about. It is much more serious. It's a much more serious place, um, but it's a great way to connect with people. Now you do have to watch out because I'll tell you right now, if I get a connection request and the very first thing that comes through is uh, something asking me to buy a product or service or even, even offering me a free PDF. Or um, a link to a free seminar or something like that. Yeah, I get it. You're trying to give, but I, we haven't earned that that place yet, and I'm not cool with it. And most professionals on LinkedIn aren't. They don't want you to sell them stuff. Nobody wants to be sold. They do like to buy, but they don't want to be sold. And so that's that's not what LinkedIn's about. And I'm telling you that is that's one of the biggest mistakes I see on LinkedIn all the time. Is you know they connect and then straight up ask for something, ask for a sale now, there is one difference, people love to share their expertise, people love to talk about themselves and and show that they know their stuff, Um, and so by demonstrating expertise, uh, you do you do well for your own brand, but also ask for other people's. If you respect somebody some, something somebody wrote, send them an, uh, an in-mail or a message and say so. Say, hey, I really liked your position on this or that, and, and I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more. Do you mind? Or, or, hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? That's how you can get a good call set up, by the way, is just say, hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? And then actually have thoughtful questions and sincerely listen. Listen to understand. Don't listen to get your point across. Get to know them. And you'll be amazed at how quick you become the most popular guy in the room or gal in the room when you're listening more than you're speaking. So that's what LinkedIn is all about. Um, I highly encourage you to use LinkedIn as a blog. Um, I say that because you can actually post, uh, they call them articles on LinkedIn, and I really like that term. But have really catchy graphics um, some here's some quick tips on that and that's a good way to again establish your expertise and in the, in their industry expertise because that's what it's about use LinkedIn as your resume show your experience Get recommendations, show your awards, show your education, but write these posts because you can set it up so those show up right at the top of your of your LinkedIn profile. So when somebody checks you out, they see what you're all about. And if you have these um, articles that you've published, they can go through and read your philosophy. They can also see if you've been consistent. So when you do an article, if you're gonna write an article, again, it's all about adding value. Um, have a really cool, uh, if you can do it, an original image. If not, get a free use image and put it on top. Make sure it's relevant. That would be a decent place for a meme as long as it fits uh, the theme of what you're talking about and literally fits on the on the article. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the start. And then have a good catchy, really catchy title and then um, join have sure make sure you've joined a bunch of groups that you're that that share the type of things that you're into or start conversations about the type of things you're into marketing specifically leadership that sort of thing but and whatever your industry expertise are and then when you pen the article uh, you can have a video embedded in there you can have pictures embedded in there and remember that eye fatigue is a real thing. If it looks too, we're lazy human beings by nature. It sucks, but it's true. We want to find the path of least resistance. So if I open up an article, and the first thing I see is this huge chunk of text, this block of text, it can be the best content on the planet, but my brain has already told me, ugh, really? I don't have time for this bullshit right and that's a stupid thing to do and and you know logically i know that but my primitive lizard brain or whatever you want to call it is going we don't want to do this let's let's we let's come back to this this is cool we'll come back to it and then we never do so what you want to do is Break up your chunks of text so that you have, you know, three to five lines of of, um, concise or witty, something catchy. Um, But break up visually break it up so you have several paragraphs. And then you also use the quote function. So they have a quote function that kind of offsets it and puts it in a nice little highlighted accent. Use that quote function. Make sure you cite your sources and link to other things. LinkedIn loves it and promotes naturally and organically if you try to keep people on their site. So if you link to other LinkedIn articles or to your own profile or people. People's profile. So say I'm gonna quote John G. Miller who is the author of QBQ, one of the most influential books I've ever read in my life. If I'm gonna quote him, it's a smart thing for me to link to him in my um, in my article and I mean his profile page. And the reason for that is not only does it show that, you know, it, it lets your audience go to them, gives them some free promotion, and lets your audience learn more about the person you're you're citing as an expert, but also and I think arguably somewhat more importantly, I would say, um, it allows you to, uh, by cross-linking like that, it feeds the algorithm. And one more thing, if John G. Miller, for example, were to see that you posted something in the article and they really like the article because people like to read about themselves, They might share it to their audience, and so that's more organic growth with that. Then at the end of it, have some kind of call to action. At that point, you can say, you know, if you want to learn more, check out my profile. If you want to learn more, here's the business I'm in. If you want to learn more, blah, blah, blah. And that's a really good way to uh, entice people into listening to what you have to say. So when you uh, connect with somebody on LinkedIn, you automatically follow them. Uh, including their their posts. So you know that's important now. And then once you're done, add a bunch of hashtag when you go to share it, it'll say, hey, it's posted but one more thing you should you should uh, promote it. So what you do to promote it is you add hashtags, then you can share it across social media whether it's Facebook, um, LinkedIn itself, LinkedIn groups or even uh, Twitter. Um, And you can actually set it up so that whenever you post anything to LinkedIn, it automatically posts to your Twitter feed, which isn't necessarily a a bad idea. So that's how you can use LinkedIn and how it's very different from Facebook. So... I'm going to go ahead and share that uh, that tidbit about Facebook now. I hope you're strapped in. Thanks for listening through to the end of part one. Uh, make sure you tune in next the next episode, which is part two, and we'll talk about uh, Twitter, and it will talk about... Um, Uh, Instagram sorry (laughs) Twitter Instagram and I'm thinking I'm going to throw in some information about Google my business because I think that's really important and believe it or not Google my business is a social network and is becoming a a pretty strong one Uh, it's just a very different kind so um, stay tuned after this nice little uh, musical break and uh, I'll tell you something super freaking creepy about Facebook that you need to know Okay, folks, so now for the moment you've all been waiting for, the creepy, creepy thing about Facebook. So everybody, I'm sure, has heard about this uh, Cambridge Analytic thing um, a while back. So in 2016, um, a company, a data analytics company called uh, Cambridge Analytics, which has since been shuttered, I believe, um, really inappropriately used a lot of Facebook um, users' information. Um, And so Facebook was under a lot of heat for how they got it. Well, here's what you need to know. Uh, If you have, do you have the Facebook Messenger app, Facebook Messenger Lite, or Facebook app on your phone? Odds are you do. Most Facebook users do. It's much more convenient that way. The kicker is you should take a minute to go through and look at the permissions that you give to uh, Facebook when you install that app. And if you did, I think you might uninstall it. I personally have the Facebook Lite app on my phone, frankly, because what I'm about to tell you, I'm not as worried about, although I really should be. Um, The only one I have is Facebook Messenger Lite, and the reason for that is because if you just access Facebook on Chrome or on whatever your web browser is on your phone, often, that's it. It doesn't let you um, use the Messenger. And that sucks, but that's the main reason that I have the Facebook Messenger, because If you go through and you look at, just do it after this podcast, take a look at the permissions that you've given Facebook. If you have the Facebook app or the messenger on your phone, you give Facebook the permission to access your um, microphone and your camera at any time with or without your further prior consent. Now I know what you're thinking. That well that makes sense. What if I want to do a Facebook Live video or if I want to, you know, do text to speech to post uh, an update? Yeah, that makes sense. Or if I even want to use the Messenger to make a call. That makes sense. But I think you if you if you're thinking that, you missed what I said about with or without your previous consent, which means Facebook has the ability to turn on and record your camera. Without your knowledge, they can also do the same thing with your microphone. They can also listen in on your phone calls. They can also—you give them access to all of the files on your phone. So every photograph, every uh, Snapchat photograph that you save that you probably shouldn't have, um, every photograph that you have on your phone of your children, of your wife, of your husband, of your deepest—you know—memories. Facebook can access that at any time, and I know what you're thinking there too. You're probably thinking, "Well, of course they can." It's, that's how you up you can upload these pictures to your Facebook uh, page or your Facebook, you know, account. Well, yeah, that's true, but again, with or without further consent, meaning that they can download every file, not just pictures, every audio file, every picture, every per- they can, they can, every document. They can download everything on your phone um without your further consent. You they even have the ability to factory reset your phone remotely without you knowing about it and without your consent. You got to remember Facebook was built by Zuckerberg originally, but they now seek out and hire hackers and the thought process behind that is if they hire hackers then it's harder for people to hack it, but you know, hackers don't hack. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't see any real reason that they would need Uh, full access to do these things and so far they haven't done anything evil with this stuff but you know we're trusting a company that is built to make money with access to our phone that is almost completely unrestricted and the reason the, the time that we gave that is when we clicked agree i've read and i understand the terms and i agree or allow and you click that, you don't think about it. It's the biggest lie on the internet. Nobody actually reads the terms. Nobody actually agrees. They're just doing it because they wanna do whatever it is that they're clicking, right? Well, in this case, it can be pretty damn dangerous. They have full access to just about everything on your phone and they can reset it without talking to you about it first. They can listen in on your conversations, their most intimate moments, they can turn on your camera and they can watch you. I know people who will put a piece of tape over, over their camera on their on their laptop because they're worried about hackers. Well, that's you know, that's fair enough, but you don't do that with your phone. And you wouldn't do that with your phone. So the other thing is too, I, I talked about Facebook ads in this uh, in this episode. I will let you know that one of the greatest things for marketers about Facebook ads is they're sticky. Which means if somebody doesn't log out of Facebook, and and it's called native feed, you can actually select that you want it on their native feed. Somebody doesn't log out of Facebook and they just go to get on Amazon or Wish or whatever it is that they, they get on to buy stuff and they just look at something. Well, Facebook notices this and it, keeps a note of it and it tries a thing called guerrilla marketing, which the concept of guerrilla marketing is it needs to be cheap and it needs to be seen 10 times to leave a long-lasting impact. So, essentially, they're using tracking cookies to stalk you. And you may have noticed, like, oh, I was going to go to my my nephew was just born and I wanted to buy him a onesie, so I looked on, on um, babiesrus.com, which, I don't know, maybe that's still a thing. I know that Toys R Us isn't completely dead yet. But I looked at it and then next thing I know, On my facebook ad feed on the side i'm seeing the exact item that i was looking at and it stayed there for quite a while or i saw it organically uh, organically i saw it in my news feed i thought that was really weird well that's why is because you didn't log out of facebook so here's the key to to beating the the system on these things first and foremost don't have the facebook app installed you can actually just pull it up on on uh, chrome and you can or or whatever you know your browser of choices on your phone, and you can log in and out that way, and you still get almost full functionality that you would uh, with the app. The only difference that I've seen so far is Messenger. You know, you can't do Messenger, but it's, it, and they will encourage you to try and install the app because they want those, they want access to that stuff. Then, make sure that you log out of it. And that's, I know it's annoying and it's its whatever, it, It's it, we're lazy people, so we don't like to log out of things. But on your desktop, on your laptop, on your mobile device, make sure you log out of it so that Facebook can't follow you. So they can't stalk you, essentially. And that should help with that, too. So Facebook, when I say Facebook knows you, I mean, they really, really freaking know you. And for a marketer, that's great. But for the average person, I don't know. I mean... You, this may not matter to you you may have nothing to hide you may not be afraid but sometimes it's not about having something to hide you know what I mean it's it's about privacy and you know that's it's a scary thing but it's reality so um, tune into the next episode which will be all about um, Twitter and um, uh, uh, Instagram and how to market on those and then also a little bit about Google my business and who knows maybe I'll have a guest for that Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for tuning into the Deep Gripping Reality. And until next time, dig deep, my friends.